Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at The Organic View, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is brought to you by liquidweb.com, the most reliable hosting provider with 24-7 heroic support. Listeners of today's show will receive $100 credit towards Storm servers, which includes virtual private servers and dedicated hosting. Or you can try LiquidWeb's shared hosting for free for one month by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. Please visit liquidweb.com and make sure that you tell them that you found out about them on the show. In 1883, Semper Fidelis, which is Latin for always faithful, became the Marine Corps' motto. It guides Marines to remain faithful to the mission at hand, to each other, and to the Corps, and to the country, no matter what. On today's show, my guest is Mike Magner, author of the best-selling book, A Trust Betrayed, the untold story of Camp Lejeune and the poisoning of generations of Marines and their families. So I'd like to welcome to the show... Mr. Mike Magner. Good afternoon, Mike, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, June. Real, real pleasure to be here. Mike, could you please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself as well as your other book, which is really, really important? Well, I, I've been a reporter now for uh, about 40 years. I graduated from Georgetown University in uh, 1974 and immediately got into journalism. worked for a paper in Michigan, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, for about 10 years. And then I moved to their Washington Bureau, covered everything from Capitol Hill to uh, environmental issues in the, the auto industry. I went from working as a daily newspaper reporter to an investigative news service that covered environmental issues. About 10 years ago, we were digging into a story about contaminated military bases. And there, as you know, there are hundreds of them around the country. It was through that job that I first came across Camp Lejeune's story. I've been following it for about 10 years. I left that news service in about 2007 and joined National Journal, where I am now, which is a, a kind of an inside the Beltway publication that covers everything on uh, Capitol Hill and in agencies in Washington. Thank you. Mike, can you share with our listeners what life was like at Camp Lejeune, especially for their families? Well, Camp Lejeune, I, I think it's it's good to know a little bit of history about it. It, it was built in uh, 1941 to train Marines uh, for the landings that they would need to be doing during World War II. It's on the coast of North Carolina. There's about nine miles of beaches there. And then there's a, a large swath of land that was largely forests and swamp and, and that sort of thing. And they built a base there, the Marine base there, and it grew over the years into the headquarters for the Marine division on the eastern half of the country. And so at, at any given time, there can be as many as 180,000 people on that base. It's like a small-sized city. Through the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, as it grew, there was an awful lot of waste dumping going on at the, by the military. They were uh, putting everything on the land, used oil and uh, battery acid and dumping it into pits. And also uh, they were spraying down engines and equipment with this 
highly toxic industrial solvent called TCE or trichloroethylene. And basically they would be washing down metals and equipment uh, like tanks and so forth and letting it wash right off into the ground. And that was a real problem at Camp Lejeune because as a coastal area, all the soil is very sandy. What they were using for their drinking water at the base was the most shallow aquifer there, right below about 150 feet of sand. So everything they put on the land ended up filtering down into the water. And so those toxin, toxic chemicals, and uh, there were also fuel leaks at the fuel farm there that were uh, putting everything from gasoline and diesel to other kinds of fuels. As you know, that contains benzene. So the, all of these things were going into the water. And it was developing and, and growing uh, over several decades. But yet the people there at the base really had no idea because they couldn't taste it, they couldn't smell it, and there weren't any regulations in place yet for testing uh, the drinking water to see if these kind of chemicals were in there. The Navy did have regulations that said toxic chemicals should not be in the water that were um, developed in, in the early 60s, but they never did any testing for them. They basically ignored their own regulations there. So what was happening at the base was that these families, many of whom had Marines who were shipped off to Vietnam for tours of duty there, while they waited back at the base. And in a lot of cases, there were the wives of Marines who were pregnant were drinking contaminated water while their child was developing in the womb, and, and which, which is the worst kind of time for exposure to toxic chemicals. And what was happening in the 60s is there were a lot of miscarriages. There were an awful lot of stillborn children, and there were deaths of children within weeks or, or months after they were born. Again, nobody really understood what was happening because they didn't know that the water was contaminated. There were um, a lot of children being born at the base, and not all of them were affected. So no one really noticed that, you know, maybe 1% of the kids were having health problems. And so as a result of all of that, the Marine Corps finally determined in 1985 that several of its wells were contaminated, and it was the result of testing that was as a result of uh, the Safe Drinking Water Act that finally went into effect in the late 70s. And so then we began to discover that there were real problems there. You mentioned the numerous infants that were dying. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a place called Baby Heaven. One of the odd things about this particular cemetery, looking back, it was surprising that more people didn't notice what was going on. Yeah, I think that's true. It wasn't really until years later, a couple that had babies back in the 60s who had died, and they basically, they were so traumatized by it. The mom actually was in the hospital for quite a while because it was such a difficult birth, and uh, the baby was stillborn. At any rate, they decided, the dad decided years later that that he wanted to go back and have a marker placed at that cemetery just for the baby. When he called up the cemetery, which is right outside Camp Lejeune, they told him that there was no way to determine exactly where their baby was buried because at, in the 60s they were burying them two or three or four to a grave, and, and they really didn't keep accurate records. They said they could basically tell him some, somewhere within 25 feet of where the baby's body was. And wow. So this guy went back and he looked at the place, and all of the markers were for children that were born in the 60s and 70s, some in the 50s even. They were either the birth date and the death date were the same, or 
they had only lived for a few weeks or a few months or maybe maybe a year or two. The place took on the name Baby Heaven by all the people that started to visit there. Now, some of these families that you talk about, they weren't just people who were kind of the husbands were taking or or doing a small tour. These were people who came from military families. Oh, yeah. Some of the men, their fathers, grandfathers, so on and so forth, had served. And when you're in the Marines, it's not just, I guess, an association. Right. It's a way of life. And oh, yeah. even the families take everything seriously. They are very, very much connected. You did an amazing job detailing the events of the different families. It wasn't just a brief mention, but you you really went into the detail. And I think when you read the story behind the death of that child, it's just really heartbreaking. Could you talk a little bit about Tom Townsend and a little bit about what happened to his family? Yeah, Tom is exactly what you said, um, a military guy all the way. Um, Tom is a really interesting story. He's, he's in his 80s now, but he was actually at Pearl Harbor in 1941 as a 10-year-old boy because his father, who was in the Navy, and a Navy officer, was an officer on a ship stationed at Pearl Harbor. And Tom, um, as a 10-year-old boy, he actually saw the attack. Uh, he just tells the story as if it happened yesterday because he had such a vivid memory of it. His father had actually just returned to Pearl Harbor on uh, December 5th, 1941, after being out to sea. And so his mom, and his mom and his father had actually, on Saturday night, gone out to a dance to celebrate his return. And Tom was home alone on December 6th with his brother, his high school brother. So he was the first one up early in the morning on December 7th and ran out to get the paper because he always liked to read the comics. As he went out to, to get the paper, he heard all of these planes in the air. Um, and he looked up and he saw a Japanese Zero fly right past him about 50 yards away. Its machine gun was blazing. And he could see from, from where his house was located down into part of Pearl Harbor, and he saw that the uh, ships were being attacked. And he ran back in and told his father that the Japanese were attacking, and his father immediately went to his ship, and they uh, got it out of the harbor as quickly as they could. I I tell that story because that shows you why he became a a Marine, joined the Navy and, and the Marine Corps as soon as he was out of high school. He was so motivated. And so Tom, um, he spent the rest of his career in the Marine Corps and advanced to become an officer. He, he was stationed at several bases. Over time, he did two tours of duty in Vietnam. He was an officer down at Vique's Island down in Puerto Rico, where they have a shooting range and so on. In 1967, while well, he had had two other children at other bases who are in great health today, in 1967, his wife and he had another baby born basically on Camp Lejeune's at Camp Lejeune Hospital. And Tom was down in Puerto Rico for most of the time after the baby was born. And his mom took him in three weeks after he was born for, uh, for his checkup. And the doctor told them that he had heart defects and all kinds of other problems. They were really worried whether he was going to make it very long. And they took him, took the baby up to Bethesda Naval Hospital, the best Navy Hospital at the time, up in near Washington. And in fact, that's where the boy died six weeks after he was born. 
Now, Tom and his wife had no idea why that had happened. It turned out later it was because his, his wife was drinking contaminated water while, while she had that baby. It wasn't until like 30 years later, uh, after Tom had actually retired from the Marine Corps after a full career, that he read about a study that had been done that linked contaminated water at Camp Lejeune to health problems in children. This was in 1997, 30 years after his baby had died. And he and his wife had spent all of that time wondering why their baby died. His, his wife had worried that maybe she had done something wrong during the pregnancy and not eaten properly. Here they find out it was the Marine Corps that contaminated them and caused that death. The other thing that you mentioned earlier, the family thing, is throughout its history, the Marine Corps tells anyone who joins that we're part of a family and that we take care of our own. In fact, even today, when, when uh, a recruit joins the Marines, his family is contacted and said, welcome to the Marine Corps family. But in this case, they have turned their back on their own family members because Tom and his wife never got any help when the baby died back in 1967. The Marine Corps tried to cover up for years what had happened, that the water was polluted. And it was only after they discovered it and, and they had to spend years filing Freedom of Information Act requests and demanding through Congress and other agencies to find out what had happened. And they are still battling for information today. Now that brings me to my next question, which is about someone named Jerry Ensminger, who yeah. actually I've interviewed before. Jerry is an amazing human being. Jerry is, in actuality, the whistleblower for this yeah. story. Can yeah. you tell our listeners how you came into contact with Jerry and what happened to him? Well, uh, I, when I was working on the story about contaminated military bases, Camp Lejeune jumped out because it's a, a super fun site, which is the list of all the the most toxic sites in the country. When I started looking into Camp Lejeune, um, just online I found that Jerry had already, at that point, this was in 2003, had already set up a website to, to talk about what had happened there. And so I contacted him, and he told me his story. His story was that he was, he was a uh, Marine uh, drill instructor. He had joined the Marines also out of high school. After his brother died, did not die, his brother was severely wounded over in um, Vietnam. That motivated uh, Jerry to want to enter the Marines as well. And uh, he ended up being a, um, a drill instructor. So he's a, he's a tough guy. He, uh, he, he was uh, in the Marines for more than 25 years. But when in 1975 he was stationed at Camp Lejeune for a while, his wife at the time um, was, he's, he's since been divorced, but his wife at the time got pregnant at Camp Lejeune. And she actually spent about the first three or four months of her pregnancy there before they moved to another base. But that baby, uh, Janie, was born in 1976, seemed to be all right, but when she was six years old, she was diagnosed with leukemia. Jerry was just devastated because he, he looked in, into his family history and his wife's family history, and there was no cancer at all. And so he had no idea why. But at any rate, they did everything they could to get good care for Janie to try to, to, try to overcome the leukemia. Um, they had her in a number of different hospitals and um, um, military facilities. But finally, in 1985, she died at the age of nine. And it was a, just a terrible story. It ultimately ended up 
being the reason why Jerry and his wife broke up. They just couldn't cope with it. Jerry spent the rest of his years there uh, after that happened trying to figure out why. Why did his daughter die? And it wasn't until 1997, uh, he, he still lives down in North Carolina, not too far from the base, and there was a local news report about a new study that had come out linking contaminated drinking water at Camp Lejeune to health problems in children, including cancer. And he immediately understood what had happened and just went on a mission to try to find out more. He, uh, being, a, being a former drill instructor, he knew how to deal with the Marine Corps and how to go after the command and find out what, you know, what he could. He was stonewalled all the time, but he took his case to Congress. He uh, insisted that they started, start looking into it. And, and over time, it developed others who had children who had Tom, Tom Townsend and Jerry linked up because of their efforts. The, the number of victims from Camp Lejeune started to grow into the thousands became a, a very powerful force to demand that the Marine Corps explain what happened and be accountable for it. And what's interesting is the Marine Corps did not want to budge. They no. really fought not to give out any information, not to help these people or their children. As I've said in the interview before with Jerry, it took a Marine to fix the Marine Corps. Oh yeah, Jerry often says they created me, and now that now they got to deal with me. So, and it did because the bottom line, I think, for the Marine Corps, and, and this is still their position, they understand that if they acknowledge that they were negligent in providing drinking water to people uh, over a long period of time, thirty or more years that the water was contaminated, they understand that if they are, are negligent or admit negligence they're going to be liable for billions of dollars because so many children have been affected. Adults have been affected. It, it was determined, thanks to another uh, son of a Marine, Mike Partain in Florida, who, who came down with breast cancer 39 years after he was born at Camp Lejeune. He, he started to uh, do some networking and through, uh, through the media and so on, he ended up finding more than 80 cases of male breast cancer as a result of water at Camp Lejeune, which is just unbelievable. It's way off the charts. And the Marine Corps tried to deny that there is a link uh, because they know all of these people will demand compensation, health coverage, and so on, as they deserve. It's still being litigated because, the, the, you know, the government it, you know, is always trying to keep its costs to a minimum. The Pentagon's always under pressure to cut, and they have been cut. Um, so they don't want to acknowledge anything because of the costs involved. And as I've learned from my good friend Kelly Derricks over at COVA, Children of Vietnam Veterans Health Alliance, as well as John Berry, who's also been on the show, who's a very big activist and advocate of veterans' health, basically it's a matter of time before these folks die off. Yeah. And that is just deplorable. Mike, can you explain to our audience about the Janie Ensminger Act and where exactly are we now with it? Right. Well, uh, the Janie Ensminger Act was signed, passed by Congress and signed into law in 2012 by President Obama. Essentially, it, it is an acknowledgement by Congress that people were harmed uh, by the Camp Lejeune drinking water. Anybody who was at the base for more than six months between the 50s and 1985 when the wells were contaminated wells were shut down 
and later on has any of 15 different illnesses from liver cancer to uh, nervous system damage. There's a list of uh, illnesses in the law. They are entitled to health coverage from the Veterans Administration. This is Marines and family members. This is the first time in history that the Veterans Administration has been asked to provide coverage for family members, not just veterans themselves. And so they are still struggling with um, trying to write regulations for how they will uh, implement the law. And I, I have to be honest, it's now uh, almost two years since that law was signed. Now uh, It's taken them way too long. It has the appearance, Gary Enzinger will tell you this, that they're trying to delay as much as possible and figure out ways to deny people the benefits that Congress said they are entitled to. And so it's a real shame. What can our listeners do, especially the folks located in the United States, to help support these efforts? Well, I think uh, it's important if, if they know somebody who is at Camp Lejeune and might have health problems, that they, everybody who was there should be informed about it and let them know about it. But more importantly, I think people need to hold our government accountable through the members of Congress. Their, their members of Congress should be contacted to say, you know, this is this is Memorial Day coming up. Veterans need all the, the care that, that they deserve. They gave a lot for their country, uh, served in some difficult situations in Vietnam, now uh, more recently in Iraq and Afghanistan. And once they're out of the service, if they have problems that are related to, to that service, our country needs to do everything they can to help them. In case of Camp Lejeune, that's not happening. And uh, it's also not happening for other veterans. As, as, as people know, um, the Veterans Administration is under a lot of fire right now for long backlogs. People from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars are not getting the, the services that they need. Um, they're waiting for months. And in some cases, veterans are dying because the VA is not taking care of them. So it's a major issue right now in our country, and uh, there needs to be a lot of pressure put on the VA and government to, to take care of these folks. Well, Mike, I just want to take a moment to thank you personally for your work writing this book, A Trust Betrayed, The Untold Story of Camp Lejeune and the Poisoning of Generations of Marines and Their Families. You did a tremendous job writing down the details of these families affected what happened, why, and why this should never happen again and must never happen again. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I have family members, friends that are in the military, and you know this personally has a lot of meaning for me. June, thank you for having me on because it's important to get the word out. I, I also have a website that I put up for the book, www.trustbetrayed.com. There's an important ruling coming up in the Supreme Court in June that people will want to know about it that will directly affect the ability of victims from Camp Lejeune to get compensation from the government. So, so I would encourage people to go there if they would like more information. Thank you, Mike. And Thank folks, you. uh, you're very welcome. And folks, please check out the article that will follow this interview on theorganicview.com, which will list Mike's website as well as other information that will help veterans and people who have been affected by the contamination, not only at Camp Lejeune, but on other bases. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone. <laughs>